What's up, everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Christmas service today, our online Water's Edge worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to share these messages with your friends and family and people that you know, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. I think today's message is going to be very helpful, very encouraging, and very, very, uh, I think it's going to be very unique for a Christmas service today. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you for your giving and worshiping with us through generosity. That always helps us love more people and serve more people and feed more people. It allows us to love on our hurting community and show them the love of God in the hands and feet of Jesus. So thank you so very much for that and for meeting our $10 challenge. For those of you who are just starting to give, if you're meeting our $10 challenge, thank you so very, very much for doing that. Sometimes the holidays can be very, very frustrating, and sometimes the holidays can be very, very exciting. Today, we continue with our current series entitled Christmas Songs, and just a couple of weeks ago, I put up a social media post asking those of you who saw it to participate in it and name your favorite childhood Christmas song, and so many people participated in it. It was a very popular post. In fact, more people than normal, and I knew that it would be because I think childhood Christmas songs just remind us of a time that was much more innocent in life. It was simpler in life. It wasn't as confusing as life may be right now. It wasn't as complex as life may be right now. It wasn't as exhausting as life may be right now. For some people, the holidays are a time of joy and excitement. For some people, they'll even tell you this is their favorite favorite time of the year, Christmas time, the time of the holidays. They love this time of the year. They look forward to it. But for many other people, and some of you listening right now, this time of the year is a painful time. It's a time of hurt. It's a time of loneliness. It's a time of isolation. It's a time of painful memories. It's a time of scars and wounds. And so for a lot of people, this is a dark, dark time. And so the first week, this is what we talked about. I told you about my favorite childhood Christmas song, and that was Frosty the Snowman. And we talked about how when we looked at that song, how it matters. It matters because one day our life can change just like that. And so it matters how we love while we have the chance to love. It matters how we show compassion while we have the chance to show compassion. It matters how we cherish the moments that we have while we have them. It matters how we treat the people in our life while we have them, especially those people that are hurting the most during this time. And so it matters. And then last week we talked about Rudolph and how the red nose of Rudolph made his life very, very different and it made his life very, very difficult. But we also talked about this, sometimes the holiday season can remind us of those very changes, that something has happened in our life that has made our life very different and very difficult. But we also talked about how that song uh, talked about what Rudolph was thought, what he thought was working against him ultimately worked for him in his life to make him stronger and give him a new purpose. And so that's what we pointed out last week, that sometimes what we think is working against us in this life can ultimately with God work for us and make us stronger with a new purpose and what could it be what is it that you're going through right now that you think at one time has been working against you in this life but if you press into Jesus if you press into God God can turn it around and he can make you stronger and he can also use this for a new purpose and so today this is our Christmas service and the childhood Christmas song that I want us to focus on is this and I think it may surprise you but it really reminds us of one of the most unique parts of the Christmas story and this is what the song is it's the little drummer boy. And let me tell you about this song. It's about this little boy and his drum. 
and he's surrounded by all of these people that are bringing very elaborate and expensive and lavish gifts to baby King Jesus, and he doesn't have any of that. He just has his drum, just him and his drum. And the lyrics go like this, little baby, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, I am a poor boy too. He says, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. Shall I play for you? I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me, me and my drum. And every time I hear that song, this is what I think about. I think about one of the most forgotten parts of the Christmas story. And I think about one of the most overlooked parts of the Christmas story and the message that we see in it and how God is close to and how God gives comfort and how God uses those who feel like they've been left out and God uses those and God gives comfort to those who feel like they just don't have much to offer. And sometimes religion can make us feel that way. Several years ago, when I was a youth pastor in Starks, every Christmas time we put on this big interactive play called The Streets of Bethlehem. And this is what we would do. We would transform our gymnasium into the literal streets of Bethlehem on the night that Jesus was born. And so when you entered through our gymnasium, it's like you were walking through this interactive tour slash play with all of these characters on the night that Jesus was born. And so when you walk through, you would go to exchange taxes. You would go to a place that's selling yarn. You would go to a place that's selling food. You would go to a place that's selling clothes. You would go to a place that's making, uh, making prayer shawls for people. And then the very last station of the play was the inn and the innkeeper where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were staying. And I was the excited shepherd coming to tell everyone the good news that Jesus had been born. We had all types of people from our church in that play, The Streets of Bethlehem. We had people from um, our women's group, people from our men's group. We had older people. We had students. We had children. All kinds of people from our church were in that and every Christmas time we just had the best time and then I remember one night as we were finishing up the streets of Bethlehem and it was our last play before Christmas one of our students in the youth group came up to me and her and her older cousin wanted to talk to me afterwards because they just needed help and they just needed prayer but this was her story her story was so so heartbreaking to me it was about three days before Christmas and her dad had gotten drunk and decided to tell her and her mom that he was gone, that he had met another lady, he had quit his job. But her mom was suffering from cancer. She was on hospice and she was dying. This girl was in eighth grade and she was taking care of her mom. And the dad decided he didn't even want to show up anymore. He had taken off. And so she had this heavy responsibility as an eighth grade girl to take care of her dying mom. They have no money coming in, no income coming in. And the older cousin speaks up and she, and she says, listen, our family's trying to help out as much as they can, but we're struggling too. And we don't even have hardly uh, any type of Christmas for our family either. So we can't do anything for them. And we're just asking for prayer because it's just a very upsetting time. And so, man, we prayed. My heart broke for this student and her real-life adversity. And I think today, in the world that we live in, it's very easy for us to hear stories like this, heartbreaking stories of people growing up in very dark situations and tough situations, and we hear all the sadness and the bad news around us, and it affects us. 
and it breaks our heart. But also I want to remind you, and we even see this in the Christmas story, that when you and I are faced with disappointment and negativity and heartache and battle and struggle, who will you decide to be? Who will you rise up to be? Who will you choose to be, defeated or determined? Someone who runs away and quits or someone who rises up and is determined to survive every single time? And speaking of good news and speaking of God at work, let me tell you about the rest of that story. We had a strong women's prayer group in our church at that time. And I told those ladies, I told that prayer group about this young student and her family situation and how they were struggling. And the day after Christmas, that entire women's prayer group took this young eighth grade girl Christmas shopping and they loaded her down. I mean, they bought her brand new shoes, clothes, jewelry, Christmas gifts, and just showered her with love. By the way, you can do that. You can do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. In your life right now, you probably know someone, an adult or a child who's struggling and they're hurting on the inside and you could pour love into just one person. You can't change the world by yourself, but you can change someone else's world. She actually moved in with her cousins after that. She graduated from high school. She went to Louisiana Tech. She went on to become a successful dentist, and now she lives in Monroe, and she's doing great. But honestly, if we look deep enough, we can see this in almost every single part of the Christmas story, even the so-called boring parts, most of the parts that many times you and I would just skip right over. For instance, this is how the Gospel of Matthew starts off telling us about the birth of Jesus and the Christmas story. It gives us this long, boring list of the family tree, the family lineage of Jesus. And the names that Matthew leaves out are very interesting. And the names that Matthew includes are very interesting. Sometimes you can find the most amazing messages in the most unlikely places. And so today I want us to look at probably one of the most boring recorded parts of the Christmas story, but it's in this part of the Christmas story that I think we find one of the most inspirational and amazing messages and stories in the Christmas story and the events that surround the Christmas story. And so we pick up today in the first letter of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. Notice that, David and Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose name was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of, of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Now, in verses 7 through 15, it goes on to list all the other generations and names, and we don't have time to go through all of them. And to be honest with you, I can't pronounce most of them anyway. And then it ends like this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, let me tell you why this is probably the most interesting 
and inspiring parts of the Christmas story for all of us. Most of us, if we're honest, skip this part. We just kind of skip over all these names. This person gave birth to this person. That person gave birth to this person and on and on and on. It doesn't seem like it has anything very personal or spiritual to say to us. It's almost like it's just history, like we're just, when we read it, like we're just reading history. But if we look just a little bit deeper, it really has an amazing and hopeful message for all of us. And this is what I I mean, when Matthew writes about the family bloodline of Jesus, he intentionally includes people in that bloodline that were far, 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 far away from God and that were considered far away from being holy, godly, and righteous. And he intentionally leaves out other people who were considered godly, holy, and righteous. For instance, Matthew does not mention, and notice this today, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, and they were considered holy, godly, and even righteous. But notice who is mentioned, Tamar in verse 3, Rahab in verse 5, Ruth in verse 5, Bathsheba in verse 6, Abraham and Jacob in verse 2, David in verse 6. Now let me tell you about this broken group of people. Let me tell you about this motley crew. Abraham unfairly isolated and banished and rejected his very son Ishmael, his very own son Ishmael and Ishmael's mother Hagar. Jacob schemed and lied and stole his older brother's birthright and inheritance. David committed adultery and then committed murder to cover it up to cover up the fact that he got someone else's wife pregnant. Tamar was a Canaanite woman outside the Jewish faith and she seduced her father-in-law just so she could have a child. Rahab was another non-Jewish Canaanite woman who was a prostitute. Ruth was a Moabite woman who was an outsider to the Jewish religion. Bathsheba committed adultery with King David and then later on schemes for one of her sons to take over the throne. I mean, this is like crazy type of stuff. And all these people had some part of their life that was regretful, scandalous, shameful, broken, not right with God, and something that just seemed like it was just not close to God. And these are some of the people that Matthew wanted us to know make up the family bloodline of Jesus Christ. These are some of the people that literally gave us Jesus Christ. And the question is why? Why would Matthew do that? Why would Matthew intentionally leave out some names of people that were so holy and so talented and so close to God and intentionally include others that were far, far away from God and broken? Well, there's a few important reasons. The first one is this, and notice this today, to help us see that the family that gave us Jesus was built upon not only the talented, the holy, and the great, but also the poor, the overlooked, and the imperfect. In the family bloodline of Jesus, we see the famous and the forgotten. We see the popular. We also see the poor. We see the righteous and the imperfect. And that is to let us know that in the story of Jesus, there is room for all of us, no matter what. The second reason is this, if you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you, to let us know that even when our life is marked with weakness and failure, God still has a plan for our life, and he's never going to give up on us. The next time you feel like your life is too broken and too weak and too messed up to belong to God and to be used by God and Jesus to show this world God and his love and his compassion, always remember that the very family members of Jesus that gave us the bloodline of Jesus, that gave us the Son of God to this world, they all felt the same way, just like you and I at times, 
too weak to serve God, too broken to know God, too messed up on the inside to show people the love of God. And Matthew did this intentionally to let us know that in the story of Jesus, there is room for all of us. Even if you feel like you're too far away, even if you feel like you're too broken, even if you feel like you're past the point of no return, Matthew did this with intention to let you and I know that no matter who you are, what you've been, what you've done, what you've been through, how broken you think you are, there is room for us all in the family of Jesus Christ. And to me, I don't know about you, but that's one of the most exciting parts of the Christmas story. The third reason is this, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you, to help us understand Understand that disappointment in life either produces defeat or determination. Understand these imperfect, everyday, broken, messed up real people like Abraham and David and Tamar and Ruth and Bathsheba and the very family and bloodline of Jesus that God used to bring Jesus into this world face disappointment after discouragement after disappointment after discouragement after disappointment after discouragement. But instead of them letting it produce defeat inside of them, they let it produce determination over and over and over again until they survived. And what disappointments have you faced in life recently? Will you let them sink you in fear? Will you let them sink you in anxiety? Will you let them sink you in sadness? Will you let them sink you in depression? Will you let them sink you in loneliness? Or will you rise up because God loves you every single time and get determined over and over and over again and be determined to rise up over and over and over again until you get free. In this life, we face the disappointments of rejection, loss, and pain. But can you survive it? God thinks you can. In this life, we face the disappointments of tragedy, heartache, and weakness. But can you survive it? God thinks you can. In this life, we face the disappointments of sickness and betrayal. But can you survive it? God thinks you can. God help Abraham survive it. Why can't he help you? God help Jacob survive it. Why can't he help you? God help David and Tamar and Rahab survive it. Why can't he help you? God help Ruth and Bathsheba survive it with grace and mercy and determination. Why can't he help you when the disappointments of life fill your heart with fear and uncertainty and regret? We can either let it defeat us or we can rise up every single time with determination in our heart to survive it over and over and over again. Because the truth is this, sometimes life is so challenging and we're tempted to think that this is it. This is the end. This is too much. This is devastating. This divorce, this failure, this storm is going to crush me. This sin, this temptation, this past, this regret, this heartache, this disappointment, this failure is going to crush me. And in times like that, we really only have two choices. Either you can lay down in defeat or you can make up your mind in that moment to fight again and believe again and have faith again and love again and trust again and worship again and serve again and work again. We may not have much like the little drummer boy, but we give it to him and we do our best for him. And when we do, Jesus will be there every single time to help you pick up the pieces. Having a grace-filled relationship with Jesus and being used by God to show the love of God to this world is not just for the ultra-religious, the ultra-holy, the ultra-pure, the ultra-good and righteous. No, the story of Jesus was written, and it continues to be written by those people who are every day, real, broken, messed up, normal, and stained, just like me. And just like maybe some of you, in the story of Jesus, we see 
even in the family bloodline of Jesus, that there is room for all of us, no matter what. Thank you so very much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. This week is Christmas. We hope you have a wonderful Christmas. We have a very cool Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock live and in person. Come hang out with us at the water's edge. And we also will have an online worship service for you on Christmas morning. Once again, we hope you have a great, great holiday season. We cannot wait to see you back.